Welcome to the Sea Trade Maritime Podcast for our latest episode of Maritime in Minutes. You're listening to Marcus Hand, editor of Sea Trade Maritime News, and Gary Howard, Europe editor, Sea Trade Maritime News. Maritime in Minutes is our monthly podcast where we pick out some of the most topical news stories from the world of maritime on Sea Trade Maritime News. And today we're covering the first month of 2023. I think many of us have been hoping to ease our way nice and slowly into 2023. But for those of us covering the world of shipping, this has not been the case, which does make for a packed episode of Maritime Minutes this month. To kick off this episode, going right back to the first week of January, I'm going to look at a story that attracted people's attention well beyond the shipping sector, and that was Evergreen in Taiwan paying some employees bonuses that equated to a whopping four years' salary. The 52-month bonuses for some staff, reported in Taiwanese press, topped even the 40-month bonuses paid by the company in 2021. Obviously, these bonuses are a reflection of the huge profits made by Evergreen and other container lines over the last couple of years. Evergreen reported a $9.91 billion profit for the first nine months of 2022. Not surprisingly, the quantity of bonuses being paid out have caught people's attention, though, presumably in part from jealousy. And I also saw some comments on LinkedIn, such as, I have never seen these level of bonuses, even in banking. Certainly, the headline number is extremely striking. But if one takes the multiple of profit made by container lines over the normal pre-COVID years, it's not that hard to see how this number could be arrived at. Also, when I first moved to Asia, back in medieval pre-internet times, large bonuses were the norm in many jobs that you wouldn't have expected them to be in. But the flip side of that was the base salaries were kept quite low, and Evergreen is a traditional Asian company, so there could be an element of that. But either way, it is nice to see the benefits of the company's unprecedented profitability filtering down to employees. I did see comments from readers saying they hoped that seafarers from Evergreen got the same kind of bonuses. I'd like to think so too, but given the contract nature of most seafarer employment, I'm going to be rather less than sure that is the case. If any listeners know different though, please do let us know. Before we move on, if you'd like to know more about where container shipping and the other sectors of shipping are headed, this year, the Sea Trade Mountain podcast kicked off 2023 with a Market Outlooks episode, which is available both as a single multi-sector episode or broken down into bonus episodes covering each individual sector. And that's available on this channel. And Gary, over to you for the impact of a major regulation change. Yeah, and I'm picking up a story from our correspondent Paul Bartlett for this one. He had a little look-see at how environmental regulation would affect LNG shipping. We're at the sort of intersection of two big stories here. Firstly, there's the entry into force of the IMO's Carbon Intensity Indicator, CII. And secondly, the increased significance of LNG trades and the availability of LNG carriers in the wake of the war in Ukraine and the, the European energy crisis and all the rest of it. Paul notes a Lloyd's Register blog post which warns that a big slice of the LNG carrier fleet will be rated D or E under CII rules, which could become a real hindrance for those vessels and their sort of economic viability as CII tightens its grip over time. Vessels powered by steam turbines are most at risk as they're pretty fuel hungry and they don't have the sort of modern boil off gas management systems that we're used to in newer vessels. The fleet's end of life has been drawn a little bit closer, just as demand for new vessels and shipyard prices have increased, which poses a problem for the future. With such high prices at the yard, 
orders have been made for pretty basic ships without all of the sort of energy saving bells and whistles that we read about all the time. In turn, what that means is that CII comes nipping at the heels of those new builds a little bit sooner than if they had, you know, the, the bubble air lubrication systems that we can see and, and all the rest of the other things that are available in the market. Paul followed up this piece actually with another one CII from the perspective of cash buyers GMS who handle end of life vessels. And Dr. Anil Sharma, founder and CEO at GMS, has some pretty striking forecasts on the number of vessels that will hit the beach after CII basically pushes them out of the market. There'll be a link also to that piece in the show notes for this episode. And with that, we move on to week two, Marcus. I'm going to talk about a company that's probably unfamiliar to most of our listeners. And in fact, to be honest, it was unfamiliar to me until a couple of months ago. And that's a company called Sunav. Sunav is a relatively new name in the world of third-party ship management. And they were formed back in mid-2019. The company is headquartered in Chennai and also has an office in Singapore and is expanding into Dubai. But talking with the founder and CEO Sachit Sahunja, the thing that struck me was the company's commitment to have cadets on every ship it manages. Now, it's a common complaint from third-party managers that as much as they'd like to have cadets on every ship that they manage, the principals, the ship owners, are simply not willing to pay for it. However, Sunav has been able to use the uncertainty that was created by the pandemic and the crew change crisis, and then accruing by the Russian invasion of the Ukraine and the large number of seafarers that suddenly became unavailable because of that, to persuade its principals that they must have cadets on their ships to ensure a future pipeline of seafarers. At the time of the interview, Sunev had 33 ships under management, so they're pretty small in the world of ship management. So time will tell how much it can keep to this commitment as it expands, but the company can only be applauded for its stand. The lack of cadets on vessels is a serious issue. It's one that was also highlighted by our columnist Michael Gray in his monthly column headlined The Generation Game which appeared on Seatread Maritime News a couple of weeks ago. And Gary, over to you for something, how should we put it, a bit more threatening. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Marcus. I think cybersecurity incidents have climbed very quickly up the list of sort of worst case scenarios within the shipping industry. And unfortunately, shipping industry target has been hit by a ransomware attack. DNV's fleet management software Ship Manager was hit by a ransomware attack on 7th of January, leading to DNV pulling the plug on the Ship Manager servers. This leaves users with access to just the offline portion of the software, which I'm given to believe is a lot of it and enough to keep the ships running, but on a sort of fleet level makes things a little bit more awkward. DNV said they've seen no signs that any other data or services were affected by this attack, and it's in communication with the 70 customers who use the service to operate around 1,000 vessels. Cybersecurity experts chimed in and called this attack concerning, and they said it's just a matter of time before any data that was captured in the attack, assuming that the attack was successful, will be made available on those sort of dark web marketplaces in the less desirable corners of the internet. One particular concern is that any data captured could give a clearer picture of the operations of a fleet or of a particular vessel and the equipment that it has on board. Potentially this would make life easier for any attackers to affect the operations of that vessel further down the line. Various police authorities and other agencies have all been made aware of the attack and will be keeping an eye out for any updates either from DNV themselves or sort of perish the thought from uh, darker corners of the internet. 
If you're enjoying the Sea Trade Maritime podcast, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on the app of your choice. Marcus, you've got a pretty big pick for week three. Indeed, I do. I'm staying with ship management for the third week, but this time it's a tale involving two very well-established names in the sector, OSM and Tome. In what will be the largest consolidation in the sector for some years, Norwegian headquartered OSM and Singapore headquartered Tome are set to merge to become one of the largest third-party ship managers, with a thousand or so vessels in their fleet under technical and crew management as a combined entity known as OSM Tome. I was lucky enough to get to the chance to sit down with CEOs Finn Armand Norby of OSM and Olaf Norton from Tome to discuss the whys and wherefores of the planned merger. Size and scale came through as the key factor across a wide variety of different areas, including decarbonisation and regulation and meeting those regulations for decarbonisation and the amount of resources required crewing and training, and again, the resources required for that, and future growth, and having that size and scale to finance that growth. Talking to the two CEOs, they were focused more on broad strategy, and they didn't give too much away in terms of the operational details of how this merger will come together. But there were some reassuring words for those in technical management roles and how the people involved in that remain the same because you're still gonna have the same size fleet and the same number of ships. You can head over to Seatrade Maritime News to read the story in full, and there'll be links to that, as said for the other stories, in the show notes. And Gary, I believe you caught up with happenings on another major merger. Yeah, mergers all around. Major merger, that's quite a nice sound. So making the most of our sort of Singapore-London split, Marcus, I met up with the leadership of Standard Club and North P&I for a chat about the P&I market and how their merger was coming along. The headline is that the difficulty seen across shipping and financial markets and sort of everywhere else in 2022 validated the decision for the two entities to merge, according to North PI Chief Executive Paul Jennings and Standard Club CEO Jeremy Gross. They envisage that this larger organization will be better placed to handle market uncertainty and to serve their customers. Now, February 20 is already a pretty big day in the PI diary. The traditional date for renewals, and that's when Standard Club and North PNI will undergo its own renewal of sorts. At midday on February 20, we'll have all of those renewals and we'll have the creation of the entity North Standard. And while there are some sort of legal technicalities regarding contracts and entities and that sort of thing, the brand will essentially be up and running from February 20. I had a great chat with Paul and with Jeremy, and we covered a few different topics from decarbonisation to training and recruiting talent. They made a point of saying that this wasn't a a cost-saving exercise of bringing the two companies together. It's more being able to handle more with what they already have. And it sounds like they're really focused on the talent side of things. So well worth a read for their view on how the merger will affect companies' operations and whether we'll see more consolidation in the P&I market in the coming months. Marcus, why don't you take us into week four? Yes, indeed. And having had a week three that involved us both talking about marriages of two companies, I'm now going to talk about a divorce. I'm returning to container shipping for the final week of January, and the news that Maersk and MSC had decided to call time on their 2M alliance, which was founded back in 2015. The two parties are required to give two years' notice of the decision to terminate the alliance, which officially means 
2M will run until early 2025. However, industry observers expect the two companies to start separating services much earlier than that, given the divorce was mutually agreed. While the news did seem to be met with some surprise, the alliance between container shipping's two largest competitors has always been a somewhat unlikely one, and the two companies have very different operating models, so perhaps we should be more surprised at just how long it's actually lasted. The end of the 2M alliance could well see the ever-expanding MSC simply go it alone with a variety of smaller sort of VSAs on different trades, as the line already commands 17.6% of global capacity, according to analyst Alpha Liner and it has a hefty new building order book of 1.83 million TU capacity. Or that's about 39% of its current fleet. So in a few years' time, they're going to command on their own probably 25% of global container capacity. Maersk has a much smaller new build book to add to its current 16.1% share of global capacity. But in a note, the customers stress the importance of flexibility, reliability, and sustainability in all aspects of logistics. Its further growth in the logistics business could be expected as its focus is being on an end-to-end -end provider rather than just a container line, so it's going to be interesting to see where their next move lies. And with that, Gary, I'm going to hand over to you to take us out for this episode. Yeah, I've got rather messier divorce, I think, on, on my side. This story started earlier in the month, um, but I hope no one out there is setting their watch by maritime in minutes. This is Euronav and Frontline, two star-crossed lovers, etc., etc. The two tanker giants were set to merge. They even signed an agreement saying that they would merge, and everything seemed to be going pretty well, aside from the protestations of major Euronav stakeholder CMB and the owners of CMB, the Severus family. On the 10th of January, Frontline announced that it was terminating the merger deal, or combination agreement, or whatever this particular one is called, which seemed to find Euronav really on the back foot. Euronav said that it would consider legal action over the issue and has since done so, seeking to prevent the termination of the agreement until the lawyers can work out whether Frontline's actually allowed to do that. While all this was going on, CMB and the Severus family were attempting a little coup of sorts requesting a shareholders meeting. I think because of the size of the stake they have in Euronav, that meeting basically has to happen. And the proposed agenda is sort of entirely based around replacing the supervisory board at Euronav, which is currently fully independent, as far as I'm aware, with a couple of CMB faithfuls and a few other independents. There's further legal wrangling over the acquisitions of more Euronav shares by entities related to Frontline. The size of this holding and the relationship with entities involved to each other could qualify the shareholders as a related party under sort of Belgian and international accounting regulation, according to Euronav. So they're sending in some more lawyers. And actually, just as we came to record this episode, there was confirmation from Euronav that it was sending in the lawyers for that exact reason, to sort of work out what is the relationship with these parties? Are they qualified as related parties? And is Frontline allowed to back out? So still very much an ongoing story, and you will read plenty more about that on Sea Trade Maritime News. So that's a nice, straightforward and friendly merger then to round out this January 2023 episode of Maritime in Minutes. If you want to know more, as with all the other stories mentioned in this podcast, the links are in the show notes, or just head over to seatrade-maritime.com to read these and all the latest maritime news. And that's all we've got time for in the latest episode of Maritime in Minutes. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe on the app of your choice to never miss an episode. And until the next episode of the Sea Trade Maritime podcast, stay safe. Mm -hmm.